that is our prayer, God, and that we acknowledge, Lord, you are our righteousness. We have none of our own, Lord. You are our strength. We have none of our own. You are our rock. You are an immovable God, an unchanging God, a faithful God, a compassionate God. You give grace and strength to the weary, hope to the hopeless, a way out, Lord, when it seems like there's no way out. You're the one who saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. You rescued us, Lord, from sin, death, and the grave and hell. Lord, you conquered the grave. And Lord, you demonstrated your love to us by giving us your son. And Lord Jesus, you demonstrated your love for us by willingly taking our punishment on the cross. You conquered death. You conquered sin. You conquered the devil, Lord. And you are king of kings and lord of lords. You are our risen, victorious Savior. Nothing that we face is too difficult for you. No challenges, no temptations, no trials, Lord, is too challenging for you. You conquered the, de- the, the, the dead, Lord. You are raised up and seated at the right hand of the Father right now. The name that has been given to you is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Angels, submit and do your bidding. Every molecule in this universe is under your control. And our lives, Lord, our lives are but a breath, Lord. And we are sheep who need a shepherd. You are the good shepherd. You lead us to green pastures. You lead us to still waters. You hold that staff to protect us, Lord, from the enemy that would attack. And you know each one of us by name. You know where we wander. You know when we're sick. You know when we are discouraged. You know when we are weak. You are a good shepherd. We give you praise this morning, Lord, because every day you have written down of our lives in your book, the book of life. And the work that you have started in our lives, Lord, you will bring to completion We are not our own shepherds, Lord. We are but sheep. But you will take us and complete the work that you've begun in us. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord to give God praise. We we are here to worship you. And when we get to heaven, Lord, all of eternity will be spent in the enjoyment of worshiping you of adoring our wonderful, beautiful, kind, good, gracious, loving God. And so, Lord, this morning we pray, meet us here, Lord. Meet us wherever we're at. Some of us, Lord, are in desperate need of help, desperate need of an answer. You're such a good God. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you for gathering us this morning. We pray that you would teach us and feed us through your word and that you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
please remain standing. I'm going to have Gavin come up and read a portion of Scripture. Gavin's going to read. Let's get you a microphone here so that the folks at home can hear you. Take that. All right. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord, in ordinance for Israel. To give thanks for the name of the Lord, for there thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they may prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, May peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Psalm 122, praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wow. How is everyone doing? Good morning. Welcome Resurrection Church. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a few weeks. Sharon and I were sick for a few weeks, and we're still getting our strength back, but we just want to say thank you to everyone that prayed, everyone that brought food, that just, I'm just bringing you made a little concoction of honey and ginger and whatever else was in there, and, and just people just were so thoughtful, and and uh, we had absolutely no strength, but we are we knew that God was with us and that you guys are praying, and it's good to be back at church, you know. We're small, but we get to worship a big God, amen? And uh, I don't know, I may, I may or may not need the stool. I'm going to try without it. If I get winded, then I'll have a seat, you know? And so, uh, <clears throat> thank you, Doug, for worship, wonderful worship. And uh, so, today, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher at heart, right? I'm a pastor, a teacher, and I love digging in, and uh, I'm committed to uh, to teaching through books of the Bible, through teaching the Word, you know, and uh, there's 66 books in my scripture, <laughs> and uh, um, yeah. they take many years to teach through the entire scripture, and uh, um, and so there's never a shortage of things to teach, you know. And uh, I want to challenge you, though we meet on Sundays, to be in the Word every day. This is food for your soul. This is nourishment. This is encouragement. This is where you meet with God, is by reading His Word, getting your nose into it, you know. That's how you hear from God, is you read the Bible and hear from God that way. Well, we've been studying through the book of Genesis, and I'm going to take a pause for a little bit in Genesis. We're almost about the story of Joseph. It's a good breaking point. And we're going to start another book today. We'll just do an introduction. We're going to start, actually it's related to, uh, to Jacob. It's actually the New Testament book of Jacob. He's known by the name James, but his Hebrew name is Jacob. We're going to study the book of James, maybe 10, 12 weeks or so in James, uh, depending on how the Lord leads. And James is a a very practical book, and James uh, is a very, it's a very 
uh, very wise book. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of James. We're going to start. I won't get very far today. We'll do some introductory um, uh, findings about James. But James, um, uh, James is, uh, um, he is, he is all about living the Christian life, right? He is all about, about um, demonstrating uh, that, you're, that you're really a Christian, right? Um, you, can, you can maybe theme this book, um, your faith that is demonstrated, right? Um, and so James, who is James? So we know in the scripture, there's, a lot, there's several James in the scripture. There's actually two disciples named James. There's um, uh, two of the 12 are named James. Uh, but neither of those are the ones who wrote this book. Um, the one who actually wrote, there's actually two other James. One's uh, the father of Judas, <laughs> so it's not him. And then there's one, James, the brother of Jesus. Jesus had brothers and sisters, okay? Uh, tri- some traditions believe that they were cousins, but they were actually his brothers. See, uh, James and Jude, or Judas, Jude, uh, who wrote the book of Jude, were brothers of Jesus, half-brothers, we think, unless Joseph was married before he got uh, together with Mary. But James was the brother of Jesus. He grew up in the home of Joseph and Mary and the rest of the brothers and sisters. Jesus, of course, was the firstborn, his older brother. But James was not a believer during Jesus' ministry. In fact, I want you to go to um, the Gospel of John, chapter 7. We're going to find out a little bit about James because James will play a very significant role in the early church. But early on, James was not a believer. He's like, you're my bro. You're not the son of God. That's what he thought. So in John chapter 7, go to the Gospel of John. We're going to look at a bunch of scripture and, and uh, we'll dig in. In John 7, um, it says... Verse, verse 2. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers, that Jesus' brothers, said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples may also see your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers... We're believing in him. They're saying, Jesus, go up to this festival. Everyone else is going up. This is a fine time for you to demonstrate who you are. If you are who you say you are, why not take the advantage of having all these people go around at Jerusalem and you can make yourself known, right? They didn't believe him. His brothers didn't believe him. You know, Jesus says the prophet's not welcome in his own hometown because he's like we grew up with him right isn't this mary and joseph's son the carpenters how was he saying these things how did he get this much authority oh come on we know who he is jesus got this even with his own siblings sometimes being a christian can be a lonely thing within your family amen right bless us uh, those of us who have christian heritage and christian family which is wonderful but some of us are now believers and we find ourselves fighting against 
opposing forces of our own flesh and blood that don't believe. That's challenging, isn't it? Right? It's difficult sometimes because you so want your family to know the Lord. Let me continue. And Jesus says, (coughs) verse 6, My time is, is not here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. See, Jesus is always saying, the world loves you and hates me. Brothers, you are of the world. I'm not. At this point, this is where James is at. Go up to, uh, go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time is yet fully, not yet fully come. Having said these things, he stayed in Galilee. Now, of course, he later on, he does go to the feast. But this is James, the brother Jesus, who doesn't believe. But we know that James does believe after the resurrection. In fact, he is listed in Acts, go to Acts 1, go to Acts 1, excuse me, go to Acts 1, and Verse, uh, let's do do, 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 um, 14, or is it 13? 13. And they were in the upper room, (coughs) upper room, um, where's 13? When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter, John, and James. We think that this is James, the brother of Jesus now. And then the rest of the disciples are listed as well because there's another James and then James goes by another name as well. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul makes a statement about James. 1 Corinthians 15. After the resurrection, James becomes a believer. In fact, Paul makes a point of it in 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, go there. And... uh, in fact, this is the text I often read when we do communion. We're going to have communion today, which I might read this text again or a different one. But look what Paul says. Um, um, verse 3, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's, that's Peter, uh, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain. They're alive still even to this day, but some have fallen asleep. That means they've, they've died, gone to heaven. And then he appeared to who? To James. This is Jesus' brother. Half-brother, brother. Then to all the disciples. And then last of all, he appeared to Paul. So obviously, during the ministry of Jesus, James was not a believer. But after resurrection, James gets a visit from his brother. Can you imagine what that would have been like? (laughs) Wait a second. Which is interesting because we know that when Jesus is dying on the cross, he commissions John, the disciple, to take care of Mary, his mom. Why? Because at this point, James is not a believer. But then after the resurrection, Jesus appears to James. And of course, everything changes. In fact, 
James will become one of the, the main leaders in the Jerusalem church. Okay? He goes from unbeliever to seeing Jesus. See, everything changes when you see Christ, right? Everything changes when you meet Jesus Christ. Unbelief, one way, and then things change. And James will become a significant leader within the Jerusalem church. In fact, um, hey, let's go to the book of Acts. We're going to dig in, okay? Book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 12. I'm just going to, we're going to take our time introducing James. I'm not getting very far today. Um, we'll, get, we'll press the gas pedal next couple weeks. But just to Acts chapter 12, and Peter gets arrested. He's in prison, right? And then they're praying for him. And then God sends an angel to rescue Peter. And look what happens. Peter um, goes, <clears throat> go to Acts chapter 12, and I'm skipping through. Um, Peter says in verse 17, it says, But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of prison. So Peter was in prison. He sends an angel, gets him out. He goes to the house. We're all praying for him. They're like, wait, it's Peter. What's he doing here? And then he says this. And he said, report, see verse 17, report these things to James and to the brethren. Okay? James is a significant leader within their early church. In fact, go to Acts 15. Go to Acts 15. You guys with me so far? Okay. Who's James? Jesus' brother. In Acts 15, and uh, um, there's a there's a council at Jerusalem. And they're discussing about the salvation of Gentiles coming to faith, right? And, and that they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And whether they should, well, should they obey the law? Should they get circumcised? Should they become Jewish or not, right? So they had this council. They get together. And James presides over this council. And it says, verse 13, after they stopped speaking, James answered saying, brethren, listen to me. Simeon, that's, that's Peter, has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name with his, this words of the prophets agree, just as written, after these things I will return and I will build the tabernacle of David which has fallen and I will build ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, it is my judgment, James speaking, that we do not trouble those who are turning God from the Gentiles. And then he says, let's write to them telling them they from, from uh, things strangled and from blood, things like that, right? So they write a letter to the Gentiles who are become believers. But James is who they went to. He goes from unbeliever, denier of Jesus, doesn't believe him, to meeting Jesus Christ. And now he's a leader in the church. Uh, we know that there's a... And there's, even after Paul gets converted, he meets with Peter and James, uh, who were reported to be pillars uh, in the church. And he actually brings a collection for the uh, Jerusalem church um, in Acts 21 to James. So James becomes uh, a significant player. His letter, go back to the letter of James. His letter is one of the earliest ones written, okay? Um, uh, 
his letter is one of the earliest ones written, probably in the mid to late 40s AD. We know he gets, um, he gets, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He gets killed. He gets executed um, early on. What's that? Martyred. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. So James, it says, James, a bondservant of God. You know, James doesn't even drop names. He doesn't say, James, the brother of Jesus, I am here to tell you. He goes, I'm a bondservant of God. Yes, we had the same mom, but I'm a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't need to drop names. He just, they know who he is. But he knows, he sees himself as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, before we get too far into this book. I want to just kind of tell you some main themes of the book, okay? And really the main, the, one of the main things is, James says, if you're really a Christian, it's going to show itself. The genuineness of faith. You know, there's, a, there's enough talk. There's enough people claiming the believers. They, they say the right things with their mouth, but their lives are completely opposite. Some may even go to church and the minute they walk out the door, you'd swear they were somebody else. James says, you can talk all you want, but God is interested in genuine faith that's lived out. Amen? It's not about just reciting a prayer because when you meet Jesus Christ, you don't just stay one way, right? Something happens. James is, is a demonstration of that. He is, goes from unbeliever to believer to, to a leader in the church and his life was changed and he's martyred for that faith. And basically in the book of James, it's really about demonstrating your, your faith in how you live, in your attitudes, in how you treat people, and how you talk to people. That's really a lot, much about what the book is about. James... Um, depends a lot on Jesus' teaching. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, do some homework here. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Many scriptures that James teaches is from the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, James actually takes the Sermon on the Mount and applies it. That's his whole book. It's basically applying his brothers. He, was, he knew what his brother taught. In fact, let me read a couple of scriptures, right? So in James 1, 2, it says, Consider all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials. Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say false things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. James says, Rejoice when you encounter various trials. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, right? In James 1.4, there's, there's probably like 20 or so. I'm not going to read all of them. I'll just read a couple. You mind? Okay. Is this good? All right. We're learning. Listen, if I don't teach you the Bible here, I'm not going to trust that you. I'll trust that you'll study on your own. But it's my job to teach and feed, right? It gets you digged in. And if I don't teach you the Word of God, I've not done my job. This is what I'm called to do. I'm called to teach you the word of God and to feed. Jesus says, James even says, don't let many of you become teachers because you're going to strict, incur stricter judgment. I take that seriously. And every word is inspired, right? So here we go. We're going to have feeding time. Yeah, guess what? When we are sick, right? I told you this before. We are sick. 
you get certain cravings. So plums, right? I was cra- craving plums and apples. And then later on, I was like, I need grape nuts right now. <laughs> Who craves grape nuts? Okay? So whether it's, this is grape nuts to you or plums and apples or something even more tasty, it's feeding you, right? I love grape nuts with, little, with cashew milk. It was really good. Oh, man. Man. Oh, I, hey. It's all natural, you know? I love it. Here's another example. So watch this. James says, And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. By the way, the word perfect, complete doesn't mean like, like we're perfect, like sinless as first. What it means is integrous. It means it's undivided. It means it's unspoiled. It means untainted, right? That your faith um, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I can go on. I, I won't give you all. There's a whole list of these. But much of James's teaching is pulled from Jesus' teaching. He's very Christological. He's very very much depend on Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount teaches about how to live life, right? He says, listen, you've heard it says, hello. Um, I just turned up there for a second. I didn't do that. Jesus says, huh? I'm blaming the sound guy, right? Turn me down just a little bit though. Jesus says, you've heard it says, hey, um, you shall not murder, Right? But if you think if you think a hateful thought to somebody, you already murder them. Don't commit adultery. But if you think adulterous or lustful thoughts for somebody, you and Jesus turns up turns a screw. You know, like hey, it's more than just what you do on the outside. It's what's going on here, right? And James basically takes that. He's like, yeah, what goes on here is going to come out. And if you say you believe in Jesus, it better come out in your life. Yeah, you're, we're not perfect. There's, there's all kinds of things to go on in life. But true Christians will, will, be, will show by how they live. It starts with family. It starts with, with your relationships. Me, I had a... So me, my, my first ministry is Sharon and listen, Joshua, right? My first ministry is them. If I can't show... If I, if I mistreat, let's say I'm terrible to my family, you know, and then on Sunday I come here and I preach, you know, I'm a hypocrite. It's, my ministry starts at home. You know, I got to be kind and loving and forgiving to them and be a shepherd to them at home. You know, parents, the newest who are watching your parents, my one or two hours with your kids a couple times a month is nothing. Youth ministry starts at home. Kids, your youth leader is your mom and your dad, okay? Because they'll have all the hours of a week and a month, and I get you for two hours maybe a couple of times a month. And I'll do my best, but youth ministry starts at home. It's being respectful to mom and to dad. In fact, Paul says, that's, Scripture says, honor your father and mother, right? And that's the first command with a promise. It's all about, it's all about you know, and... It's, it starts there. It starts with you and Jesus, right? When everybody else is stripped away, when everybody else is gone, no one else is watching you, and you, you're alone with God, does that make a difference? That's what James is going to teach us. 
of you guys like the book of James? How many of you guys, this is your favorite book? Okay, a couple of y'all. I like it, I like it. James has uh, 54 commands in 108 verses. He's like just laying it in there, right? But he's interested in genuineness of faith. Like I said, there's a lot of talk. A lot of people just, they claim to be Christians and they kind of give you the talk, you know. James is like, let's see the real deal. Let's see the real deal. James is, uh, is he's, a, he's, got, he's like a pastor who is concerned with his sheep, exhorting them. Um, and uh, so a couple, a couple of the, the themes in the letter, of course, are about trials and about genuineness of faith and of demonstrating faith, that true faith is demonstrating lived out. Okay? The world is looking for that, you know, that's why we're not to become like the world. The world's not looking for that. We need to stick out. Be like salt and light. You know? Be different. And that's what James will, will address. So he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Now, the 12 tribes, of course, refers to Jewish tribes, but it, in Jewish history, the tribes got dispersed. Ten of the tribes were taken by the Assyrians, and they were, they're called the lost tribes. They're not really lost. God knows where they're at, right? And so they were dispersed. You know, they're called the dispersion, right? And so what James is addressing, he's addressing Jewish believers who he's using this language. You guys are like our Jewish brothers who are dispersed. They're away from Judea, away from Jerusalem, outside their home. You're not at your home. And he's saying metaphorically, we're like that. We're li- our home is heaven, and we are, li- we are dispersed, dispersed among the world. Our true home is heaven. And so let me send you these encouragements. He goes, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Now, I don't know how far I want to get with this, okay? I might not get very far because of time. I told myself I would have a simple service today because... Uh, because of the health thing, but um, James is going to start off with addressing, of course, one thing that is true, and that is that in the Christian life, we are all going to face trials and temptations. That's part of life. Some of us, were waiting for the trials to stop, but trials are actually God's tool to refine us to purify us. If you thought that when you came to Christ, problems would end and that problems would go away, this side of heaven, you're, in, you're, you're mistaken. James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. He says, you're going to encounter trials. You're going to encounter trials. You're going to find, kind of, life is going to be difficult, right? I wish that there was no difficulty in life, but you won't be what God wants you to be unless He has trials in your life because God uses those trials to refine and purify your faith. It shows you what you're made out of, right? It strips away the things you don't need. So like when we were sick, um, 
We weren't hungry at all, right? We were hardly, we had no appetite, zero appetite. But one thing when we did get a little appetite, we weren't craving any junk food. No, no crackers, no cookies, no candy, no soda, nothing. We just wanted some pure food, an apple. Just give me a bite of an apple. Oh, I'm good. You know, or a plum or, I never eat plums, but no, you know, my body's like. And so in the Christian life, it's this, the trials are meant to purify What's really, what, are you, what are you really hungry for? What are you made out of? We're all going to face trials. And James says, you have to have a right attitude about the trials. Consider it joy. Does he mean be happy about it? Hey, I'm going through trial. No. What you're joyous about is not the fact you're going through some hardship because no one likes to go through trials, whether it's sickness, whether it's you know, relationship problems, whether it's money problems, whether it's your know, car breaks down, you know, whatever, right? Don't be, it's all being, it's not me being glib about life's difficulties. Hey, I'm going through trials and I'm being joyful. He's not saying that. What he is saying is when you know that the result of what you're going through, God is using to make you into something more pure and your faith more pure, that's something you can rejoice over. It's like the athlete who decides to train, eat well, get us get an early morning and has a coach that, that teaches them how to do things and they go through all kinds of hardship and difficulty, lifting weights or running or whatever. It's painful during the time, but they know at the end, I'm going to be able to run the marathon. I'm going to be able to lift those weights, whatever, you know. So he's not saying being joyful and being glib about it. It's like realize, have the attitude that everything God allows you to go through is to purify and make your faith genuine and real, to strip away all the nonsense, right? And none of us will be what Christ wants us to be without God using those trials. Every one of us, God has brought through trials. And every one of us, we will go through trials until the day we die. So James says, have a proper attitude. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter <clears throat> various trials. The word encounter is to encounter something unexpectedly. You're not ex- it's like you fall into it, right? You're not looking for it. It seems like life is that way often, right? No one plans for the next trial. No one plans for the sickness or for the death or the loss of job or for the, you know, whatever it is. No one plans for it. It's going to happen. It's the same word that was used um, in Luke 10 when a man who was going from Jericho to Jerusalem fell upon robbers. And he stripped, they beat him, and then a good Samaritan came and helped him out. Well, the word fell upon him means he unexpectedly fell upon him. James says, have this attitude. Consider it joy when you encounter those various trials. They come unexpectedly, and he says they're various Trials aren't one size fit all. In fact, what's one trial for you may not be a trial for this other person here. So you never judge somebody what they're going through because it may be a temptation, a trial, difficulty for them. It may not be for you, you know? But it's something that puts a strain, right? It puts a strain. 
It's, it's the, the word uh, for varied. Uh, it's the word that's used in the Old Testament for uh, Joseph's many-colored coat. And the trials come in various forms, whether it's difficulties in life or whether it's even temptation. It's the same word. Trial temptation is the same word. Okay? It's the same word that, 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 that James is using. They're coming in different ways. In fact, go to um, go to First Peter. Go to to your right, and First uh, Peter chapter one. Um, one Peter one. And uh, in verse six, just to the, the book to the right there is First Peter, one First Peter one verse six. In this you greatly re- rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested um, by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ James says your faith is going to be tested and let me tell you something praise God for this test of our faith because if you live your life saying I'm a Christian and you live nothing like Jesus, and you don't go through trials, you'll be sorely surprised at the end. Say, I thought I had faith. But God, in His grace, allows those trials to bring us to our knees, to bring us where we call on Him, to bring us where we lean into Him, and say, God, I got nothing. I got no strength. I need your help. There you are, son. There you are, daughter. I hear your prayer. I hear your cry. I know what's hard, right? And in those times of calling out in those trials, in those times of having to really, really lean in on God, you learn something of the strength of God. You learn something of the faithfulness of God. You learn something of the power and love and grace of God that you wouldn't have learned had you not gone through that trial. And you say, Lord, thank you that you brought me through this test because then I learned how strong you really are. The storms overcame me, but it didn't overcome you. This is too difficult for me, but you brought me through and I learned something of you. You, were good. you heard my prayers. When I was at night, and it was pitch black, and I was sicker than a dog, and I had no strength, and I said, Lord, please help me. You heard that prayer. You brought us through. Thank God for trials, James is saying. Have the attitude that that trial, God is refining you and making you and shaping you. What are you going through today? What trials are you going through are you learning to lean into the Lord? Learning to let go of your ways of handling life? Because really, ultimately, that's what trials are all about. To strip you and I of, of our own little gadgets and ways of manipulating life and bring us to the point where we say, God, I got nothing. I'm just a weak sheep. God, thank you for your faithfulness. And you know, I'll be honest, when so we were sick, I'll be honest, I couldn't even open my Bible. I couldn't even, I could barely say a prayer. I did say prayer, but I had nothing. And what it taught me, at the one time we were at night, and I'll close up in a second here, we'll have communion in a second. I, and we were, I mean, we were sick, right? And I had, I had no energy for anything. And you're just like, and I, you know, sort of pride myself on it, always being the word, always being, 
And you know what taught me? That God has to, had to bring me to a place where I was so weak. And it was okay that I just rested in the love of God. I didn't have to beat myself up for not being in the Word all the time, right? I was like, Lord, we haven't talked in a while. And I need your, you know, we just need help. Please be with us. And I knew he was with me. I knew he was with Sharon. And it was okay. And I realized my strength wasn't in me. My strength has to be in God. Amen? Amen? So James is going to teach us about genuine faith. Faith that is lived out. Faith that is demonstrated. Faith that has been purified. We're going to finish here. We'll stop here because of time. And we're going to have communion because guess what? Jesus Christ went through the biggest test, the biggest trial, when he endured the sufferings on the cross. And Jesus proved himself, demonstrated himself to us. It's one thing if God says, I love you and did nothing to help you, right? But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He demonstrated that love by what he did. Amen? And Jesus Christ demonstrated who he was. He took the biggest trial and test that we could never have endured. And he did it for us. Let's bring up the elements. And while Alan's bringing them up, Take a few minutes to give God praise and thanks. To, to just appreciate what the Lord has done. Maybe to confess any sins. Let's take a few minutes. Lord, we just, <clears throat> first of all, we give you praise, Lord. That you were, your words weren't empty words. Yeah. You said you loved us, and you said you loved the world, and you, and you, you proved that. Jesus said, a greater has no man a love that, uh, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You saw our need, Lord. And you proved who you were. No, no other person in history shed blood for us. And no other person in history taught us about the Father. 
provided a way to have relationship with the Lord God, but you, Lord Jesus. You proved who you were. You proved your love to us. And Lord, you call us, Lord, to a, a, purif- a purified faith, and you allow the testings of life to do that. And Lord, the, the ultimate test was your willingness to go to the cross. You even prayed while you were in the garden with the Father. You, you asked the Father, if there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me. You were about to go into a time of suffering and even a short time of separation from the Father, which had never ex- happened in all of eternity. And you desperately wanted to have another one. I, but then you said these words, Nevertheless, not my will, Father, but your will be done. You proved who you were, and you proved that your love was genuine. It is genuine. So many people are looking for love. And they only find true love in Jesus Christ. You demonstrated that love when you subjected yourself to the punishment, and the whips, and the, the, cro- the cross, and the beating, and the crown of thorns, and everything else, Lord, and the ridicule, and the rejection. You demonstrated love by being rejected for us. And Lord, you gave us something to remember that by. <clears throat> we call communion the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. The Gospel of Matthew records that while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Lord, you allowed your body to be broken, and we celebrate communion, remembering that sacrifice, the ultimate demonstration and proof of your love. So Lord, we we thank you and praise you. Let's partake of the bread together. Amen. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the, 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 the many for forgiveness of sins. Lord, your blood, your, your blood that, that washes away our sin. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and your undefiled, unblemished blood was poured out as a demonstration of your love. We thank you, Lord. Let's partake and drink together. Lord, we just give you praise. We rejoice in you. We love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand up? We stand up. Wow, it's good to be back at church, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited. I only got two two verses, but that's okay. We're going to have fun, and we're going to dig in, and God is good. Read ahead if you want.
Okay, read ahead. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And read James. And you'll see a lot of, a lot of things that James is pulling from. And uh, anyway, um, God bless you all. Um, it's good to see everyone. And uh, let's do, uh, let me just do our closing, uh, our closing prayer and blessing. Y'all have it up? Oh, it's okay. I'll do it by heart, right? We all know. We, okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious. Of, wait, oh, I lost my place now. Be gracious. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. We'll see you. Bye-bye.